visiting with us this morning or, or you haven't been here in a few weeks, um, you're catching us right in the middle of a series on money. Uh, and some of you are thinking, oh man, you know, I thought he was going to do something different for Mother's Day. I invited my mom, you know, it's, uh, why are you talking about money? I invited friends or some, uh, a lot of times I guess we have this misconception that when the church starts talking about money, it's because they need our money. <laughs> it's because they want our money. And I, we've said each of these times, it's not the reason that we're doing it at all. We won't be taking up a second offering. There's no thought of that. But what we realized um, over the past number of weeks is that God talks a lot about money and he cares a lot about how we handle the, the things that, that we have in our lives and how we handle possessions. Jesus talked about it a lot. We, we looked at the fact that as you look in the word of God, it's been completely misused when it comes to this topic. And I want to encourage you this morning that um, to realize the context of who, um, who he was speaking to, who it's written to. So that as you, as you read through, you're like, okay, this is for me and this is something different. Uh, and realizing that and knowing because God wants to talk to you right here about it. He doesn't want to talk through me or through somebody else. He wants to have that relationship um, with you about every aspect of your life and money's one of them. Um, the choice for us, and the, here's why it's so important. We looked at it um, a number of weeks ago that the real reason why this is so important is that a lot of times as Christians, we, we even said it. What's the the opposite of serving God. And some and a bunch mentioned out serving the devil. And we think that that would be, well, what uh, the op- obvious opposite of serving God. But Jesus didn't say it that way. He said, you know, it's the, the difference is, be, is either serving God or you serve money. You either submit to God and, and he's the one who directs your life or money does. And there's, there's so many that because of the way that money directs your life, it brings incredible pain into your life. So we talked a couple weeks ago about a good dad is going to tell his kids how to use different and difficult things wisely. You know, a jackknife. With my son, I was like, you got to use it like this so that you don't cut yourself. Uh, And the same thing God is saying, use money like this or it will bring pain into your life. It's not bad and of its own, but if you get your heart tangled in it, it's going to hurt you. And so we learned a few things, realizing, number one, everything we have is from him. You didn't earn it. Um, without, the, without the skills and talents that he gave you, without the job that he gave you. If we start thinking about, hey, it all came from him, and because it's all his, we need to manage it wisely. So we said a couple weeks ago, you got to be knowing. Yeah, you got to be knowing where your money's going because it's not your money. You're managing it for someone else. So we said, you got to track it down. You got to spy on it and say, well, where did that, you know, I had 50 bucks. Where did it go? And finding out, oh, it went to Tim Hortons and, you know, and, and flowers. And we, we did all that um, last, um, last couple of things. And we talked about the idea of the table last week, about starting and, and running the table in your life. You can either run it God's way and say, God, I'm serving you genuinely, honestly serving you, and I'm going to do it your way. Or you can say, no, I, I, know, my, I know myself. I can handle this. I'm going to do it my way. So God's way says you start by giving so that you, you realize, hey, it's yours, God. I, I'm going to give somewhere because it doesn't own me. I'm going to save. I'm going to pay off debt because I don't believe you want anything with debt in my life. Then I'm going to buy the needs in my life, make sure that it, that's taken care of. And the last thing is wants. But if you do it the other way around and you start with wants, you might have some money left to pay your needs and gas bill and whatever. And, and pretty much if you don't, you pile that all into debt and then you end up stuck. And it's a, a difficult part and it brings a lot of pain. So we want to help, uh, help you uh, avoid some of that pain. So today I'm going to share some thoughts. Some are from Andy Stanley, some from Bill Hybels, Dave Ramsey, King Solomon, Jesus, and other famous people. So if you don't like it, call them. If you do like it, 
thought I was able to share it with you, right? So um, the, the, some of the stories that we've heard uh, the, the last couple weeks, just people sharing, sending me texts. I just want to read a couple of them to you. I asked for their permission. Uh, one of our young people, and today, if anything, I want to talk to the people who are younger. Um, not that I'm uh, excluding anybody, but it's the young people. If you, sometimes you guys tune out like, ah, someday when I get a job, I'll think about this. Or someday when I have money. Or someday when I'm on the other side and have had my fun, then I'll think about this. I encourage you to think about it now. I'm, there's a couple of young people who've signed up for our financial courses. I'm so proud of you guys. You are going to be, 20 years from now, the smartest and the wealthiest people in this building. And everybody's going to go, man, I wish I was them. So listen up today. It's good for you. But one of the young people in our church said this. Almost a year ago now, a thought came into my head. A thought came into my head that I needed to help a specific family out by giving them the specific thing. And obviously, I didn't follow the 10-second rule then. But in big word letters, he said, I'm doing it now because it's still in my head, and God is amazing. And after sharing the, the fact that she's you know, able to do that, just realizing I'm doing something different. I'm going to listen to what his voice is and, and trust uh, him. Last week, I um, got a text that said, got my paycheck today and did our first budget. We started with giving, and we worked our way across, following what we had talked about with the table. We never save money ever. It just seems like there's nothing left to save. But since we wrote everything out, now we have $120 to put into savings this week. Big smiley face, pretty cool. I was like, yeah, that is pretty cool. Why? Because it works. We're, and, and I love the fact that it's not just, hey, this is what Mark did, or this is what, you know, uh, somebody did. It's like, this is what you're doing. This is what's happening in, in your lives. And people are, are, are realizing, wow, you know, if I, if I if just experience what it's like to hear his voice and to live differently, it's neat what happens on the other side. So I wanted to challenge uh, you today with this thought. I want to call this one, like nobody else. So if you're taking some notes, here's a few. Um, have you ever wanted to be like everybody else? Especially when you're younger. Have you ever grown up as you're in school and you're thinking, man, I wish I could be cool like everybody else. I wish I could have a girlfriend like everybody else. You know, maybe, you know I wish that I could have a job or have money like everybody else. I wish that I could, I could get married like everybody else. You don't really necessarily want their kind of marriage, but you just want to get married, right? Like, like everybody else. I want to fill in the blank like everybody else. Have you ever had that thought? Have you ever wanted to do something and not been able to do it because of previous choices? Have you ever gone and laid in your bed and you're like, oh, I just really want to sleep, but you can't because you had five coffees at, after dinner. Have you ever wanted to graduate high school, but you skipped way too many classes? Have you wanted to fix a relationship with somebody, but now they want nothing to do with you because of all the words of hurt that you can't take back? Have you ever wanted to be generous and help something and make a difference, but you're not able to because of the debt or the decisions that you've made financially before? Have you ever been in that spot? See, a lot of times we realize you can't go back. You can't go and like undo and, and, and change what happened then. And the challenge today is to, to, with that same thought of, if we have regret about some of the stuff we did back then, there's no way to go back and change that, but there's something we can do to live differently now. And that's my encouragement to you today. What can I do differently now? Last week, we talked a little bit about debt, and I wanted to chat a, bit, a little bit about that uh, this morning because it's, uh, it's an issue in our, in our country for sure. Do you realize that Canadians owe $1.5 trillion worth of debt, and that number is growing every day? And you're like, yeah, that's nice, Mark. Do you have any idea what $1.5 trillion looks like? Here, I'll help you out. Anybody know what this is? A hundred. So one of the kids last night, he's like, can I have your sermon illustration when you're done? I'm like, No. <laughs> 
But this is valuable, right? This is still worth something. You can buy some, some decent stuff. I mean, some of you could eat this in one night with your wife, but there's this idea of it, it's still got some value, but it's $100, and, you know, it flies through and it's gone pretty quickly. But I want to show you, you take this and you, you multiply it a few times, you get this uh, amount right here, $10,000. This is what $10,000 looks like. One of those stacks is $10,000. And you um, take that $10,000, um, or you take 100 $100, and you get 10,000 of those of these. You put them together, you've got a million dollars. So you can sort of see down the bottom there, there's a little pallet of $100 bills. That's a, that's a million dollars right there on that pallet. You take, you, you multiply that um, by 100, and you get $100 million. This is what $100 million looks like uh, if these are all stacked up. Times that by 1,000, you got a billion. $1 billion. It's like, wow, look at all that. Look at all that cash. One trillion looks like this. What? I know, double stacked. There's the little guy in the corner. <laughs> One trillion dollars. One trillion of these. And guess what? You and me and the rest of our fellow Canadians owe that and a half more. In debt. We owe that much to somebody else. And over one-third of that is consumer debt. That's not your mortgage. That's other stuff. That's cars. That's phones. That's that new iPhone 6. That's food you ate months ago and are still trying to figure out how to pay for. Consumer debt. Every single Canadian in our country owes over $20,000 of debt. Isn't it great? The kids in our nursery, that's what they already owe. Uh, over 20, 21000 per Canadian. How did we get there? For some this morning, it's the unfortunate circumstance and situation and choices of others. For some of you, you've been placed in a spot where you didn't have a whole lot of control over it. But for most, it isn't like that. And today I want to say it's not a guilt message in any sense of the word. We just want to make you aware of, of where things are at and realize, how did I get here? And if I got here a certain way, how do I get out? So the part of the problem is that we think everybody else is doing that. We, we wish we could be a little bit more like everybody else. So for instance, we'll have the Smith family, and we have a Smith family, so it's not that family, but the Smith family, you say, you know, they, they sit there and they wish, man, I wish that I could have nice clothes, like the Jones family. The Jones, they dress in style over there on the left side of the church. You know, and the Jones family, who's dressed up all nice, says, man, I wish I could go on cruises like the Vander, I mean, like the Jenkins family. And, and so they, they, they're sitting there thinking, man, we have nice clothes, but I wish I could go on a cruise. The Jenkins family, they say, man, we've got nice clothes, or we go on cruises, but I wish we could have a sweet vehicle. That's like me, but like the Carter family. Yeah, now that's what I'm talking about. I wish that I could have a sweet whip like that. And the Carter family sitting there in their nice car saying, man, I wish that I could have a nice house like the Buntings or like the Smith family. And the circle goes around, and we're like, man, I just wish I had what everybody else has. Somehow they're able to do it. But the thing that I want you to realize is that based on all this big stacks of money on skids is that everybody else is doing it on debt. So when we think, man, I wish I could be like everybody else, everybody else is doing it with debt. See, in our culture, we have this idea that we want to upgrade our lives all the time. And there's two ways to do that. There's the fast way, and there's the slow way. If you're a young person, listen up real close, because here's how it starts. You start getting letters like this. The fast way starts like this. You get a letter from a credit card company that says, you've been pre-approved. 
You're a somebody! And you're like, I'm a nobody, I'm a nobody, I'm a, I'm a somebody! Right on! You know, they, I don't know how they know about me, but they must know that I'm a good person inside, and I just feel good. They're going to let me spend this much money. I don't even have a job, but I can have a credit card. Uh, how cool is that? And you start feeling happy and feeling goodly on the inside. And, and you're like, man, I've been pre-approved. I'm awesome, I'm so cool, I can party like a rock star. And, and he's like, I, I'm going to go and try this thing. I remember my first credit card. I went to the Simcoe Fair, and there was people there offering credit cards. And I was walking up, and I saw this thing, and they didn't say free credit card. They said free water bottle. And I'm like, Dutch, free water bottle. I gotta have, right? So I go, and it's this, it's this water bottle in, a, in like, a, in like a, um, one of those cooler-type things to keep the water cool, and it's got a strap. And I was like, oh, man, what do I got to do to get a free water bottle? And they're like, you just got to fill out here and fill a sign here. I was like, sweet. And they're like, have you ever had a credit card? I'm like, no. And they're like, yes. Right? And they're like filling it out, and like, we got this guy. And I'm like, no, I got a water bottle. I was like so, so enamored by this. Didn't realize that what they say you know, here, here's what I'm going to you know, sell you, this idea of feeling good inside. But it turns out after a while, when you realize you actually have to pay them back and pay a little bit more, I no longer feel goodly inside. And I think, hmm, I don't really want another credit card. Then the next credit card company says, hey, <laughs> I know you don't really want to feel good inside, but how about having something like this vacation, this house? You can have this reno. You can have that car now. You can do this now. It's like all of a sudden they start selling you dreams instead of just selling you the idea of feeling good inside. They know that didn't work. You're like, ah, that sounds good. That sounds good. And for a water bottle, we'll read the fine print that actually should have said, or we'll miss the fine print that said, you've been pre-approved to be my slave. You've been pre-approved to be my slave. See, we don't, we don't think about that, but the Bible talks about it. Proverbs chapter 22, King Solomon wrote, and he said, hey, I'm writing to anybody who wants to be wise. Anybody want to be smarter? Anybody want to use wisdom? He said, I'm writing this to you. He says, just as the rich rules over the poor, so the borrower is a slave or a servant to the lender. Just as the rich rules over the poor, so the borrower is a slave to the lender. Why? Because you can't just honor, you can't be obedient to two masters is what he's saying. You can't be obedient to, to God when you have to be obedient to, to him. And God says, hey, I want you to, I want you to go out and make a difference. I want you to, you know, I want you to give some things to bless somebody else. You're like, I can't, because I owe, I owe, I owe. And it, it, it rips at us. It tears at us. The thing that I'm saying is that before people, as teenagers especially, before you get to that place where you're like, I want to serve the Lord with all my heart, they've already got you with your pre-approved, and you're going to serve us for the rest of your life. Our culture poisons us. We don't really sell ourselves into slavery like they used to. They couldn't pay a debt. They sold themselves into slavery. We're not that way. We purchase our way into slavery. We don't even realize it. We buy thinking, oh, it's going to be good. Do you know what the most common mistakes are for people dealing with debt? Is that you bought too much house. You bought more house than what you actually need. I know that's going against some other businesses here. But anyways, and there's, <laughs> you, bought, you bought too much car for what, uh, for what you need. There's all kinds of cars with four wheels, and there's all kinds of cars with four doors, and they range in different things, but we purchase more than what we need. And why do we do it? We said it last week. Too often we purchase things that we don't need with money we don't have to impress people we don't even like. We buy things we don't need with money we don't have to impress people we don't like, and we call it all in the name of upgrade. And it happens. It's not your fault. Not totally. 
Our whole culture tries to tell us upgrade, upgrade, upgrade. Do you realize in other countries, they would never think of doing something like this, taking their vehicle that, that runs, driving it somewhere and saying, hey, I want to trade this in for another one of those and I want to pay you money to do that. They would think that's nuts. They wouldn't think, wow, my cell phone works, but you know what? That one's cooler. I will trade in a working cell phone for another working cell phone and I'm going to pay them money to do that. And yet, how many of you got those texts recently? Hey, for this much money, you can upgrade to the newest phone. We're like, yes, I, if, if I do it, I can read this text on a bigger screen. Right on, I'm doing it. And we get hooked. And I love Apple, but ah, uh, uh, sell our houses just to buy a bigger one. And it's not because you're all raising huge Dutch flocks of children that you need that many bedrooms. It's this thing, I just want a house in the country. And it's okay if you can afford it, but it's not okay if you're going to put yourself under a load of debt that you can't manage. See, uh, a lot of times we buy all that stuff, the new car, the new phone, McDonald's, whatever it is on our credit card, because we think it's going to make us feel happier. We do. When's the last, think of the last thing you bought that made you feel happier once you bought it. You're like, man, I just, I can't wait till I have this. You know, they talked about the leader cast. It's like a middle school girl wanting an iPhone. You know, they get it in their head. They're gotta have, gotta have, gotta have. When's the last thing you had that you're like, I just gotta have, gotta have, gotta have. And then when you got it, it's like, wow. You know, I remember getting this and thinking, wow, that is so cool. That screen is like 13.4% bigger than the last one. And I just love it. You know, I'm going across and then I'm like, what? There's a bigger one? Now, which was, made me happy for just a short time. It's like now, uh, whatever. And like, where does it come from? I realize even as my kids, Link, this week, um, or last week, we've been trying to teach him about money, and Lincoln, I mean, he's six, and he comes into our room at seven in the morning, he's, he's got his transformer with him, he's like, mom and dad, my transformer that you got at Value Village doesn't have a head. <laughs> he realized it never had a head, right? He's like, it was supposed to be there, but it doesn't have one. Dad, I need a transformer with a head. Can we go buy one with a head? I'm like, no, like, just go back to bed. We'll talk about it after breakfast. After breakfast, Dad, can we go buy a transformer? I'm like, well, we've been teaching him about saving and about giving and about having spending money. We're like, well, it's one of those opportunities. You can take some of the money that you have and go and spend it. So he went to the store, and we could sort of limited it because there's like $50 transformers. I'm like, he doesn't really know what paper money is really worth yet, but all right, let's, let's try and teach him through this. He buys a transformer, but the one he bought, he thought, well, it looks so cool. He comes home. No lie, gets it out of the box and realizes it only transforms one way. It's like a man, and then you flip it on its side, and it's a wolf. And he's like, that's not what I was hoping for. I wanted to change stuff. He said right to us, he's like, can we take it back? And we're like, no. He's like, yeah, they'll trade it in. And I'm like, how did you learn? You're six. You're six. Must have been his father. (laughs) I say that because... Yesterday, he wakes up at 7 a.m. and he comes into our room and he's like, he, I was, because Max was sick, I'm sleeping in the basement. Our marriage is fine. So just the people last night were wondering. I was sleeping in the basement. He came into Beth, into our room. He's saying, Beth, he's saying, Mom, I, I really need a remote control car. I really want a remote control car. And she's like, oh, why at 7 a.m. do you come up with these ideas? And she's like, he would not stop talking about, I need a remote control car. I said, go down, bug your father. He comes down, Dad, I need a remote control car. Please don't send me back up to bug Mom because she already told me to come down here. But can we go to the store right after breakfast? And I'm we can't go to the store right after breakfast. Ah! And like, we got to talk. Where does it come from? 
It's just something in us genetically. Sometimes we get fixated on something. I said genetically. We get fixated on something because it's in our culture and it's in so much of what we see around us that we gotta have, gotta have, gotta have. What's the next gotta have that you, that you have right now inside? See, Luke chapter 12, Jesus said to them, he said to them this, and this is where I prayed, Lord, help me to explain this to my children. But he said, beware! And they woke up. <laughs> beware! Beware, beware, beware. Guard. Guard yourself against every kind of greed because your life's not measured by how much you own. See, life, life is not measured. The Bible actually talks about this pursuit of trying to own stuff actually sucks all the life out of you. You end up working so hard for stuff and you have no life in it. There's a commercial I heard on the radio a couple weeks ago. It said, Canadians are good at hockey. Something to this effect. Canadians, you're good at hockey. Canadians, you're good at making maple syrup. Canadians, you're good at apologizing. Canadians, you are not good at saving. Let us help. You know who it was? The same bank who two commercials earlier had offered a credit card. <laughs> here you can have the world! And once we got you, we're here to help! I know. Same guys who helped us get up to our eyeballs in debt. I can't blame them. We, we went for it. But then they, they try to help. And what's their help? Hey, you know what? We'll help you. We're going to make you feel better. We're going to consolidate your debt. We're going to give you a smaller interest payment. But they never tell you that you've got to change the way you're doing things. They just say, hey, you can keep digging the hole. We're just going to give you a smaller shovel. And you keep digging, and you keep digging, and you keep digging. You don't realize it. Deuteronomy chapter 28, verse 12. We look way back when God talked to the Israelite people. He talked to them, and he said this in verse 12. The Lord will send rain at the proper time from his rich treasury in the heavens. He'll bless all the work you do. And he was saying to them, and this was a covenant with them, when things are good, when you and I are good, when you're keeping my commands, it's going to be good for you. And he says this, when it's good, you're going to lend to many nations, but you're never going to need to borrow. You'll lend to many nations, but you'll never need to borrow. When things are good, you are not borrowing. When things are well, you don't need to borrow. But in our culture, everything goes opposite of that. It's like when you're doing well, we're going to let you borrow more. We're going to do our best to get you in. Wow, now I can party like you too, right? Like I am the man, if they're still cool. There's a lot, or I should say there's not a lot in the Bible that actually talks about debt management. There's not a lot in the Bible that talks about debt management. And the reason is we're never supposed, it was really never supposed to be a part of our lives. Not the way we experience it now. Not with this idea of consume, consume it all. Proverbs chapter 6 says this, again, to those who want to be wise, my child. My child, my teenager, I know you're not mine, but I'm talking to you. My child, he says this, if you've put up security for a friend's debt, or you've agreed to guarantee the debt of a stranger, if you've trapped yourself by your agreement and are caught by what you said, follow my advice and save yourself, for you've placed yourself at your friend's mercy. Now swallow your pride. Swallow your pride. Go and beg to have your name erased. Saying some big things, go and beg don't put it off. Do it now. Don't wait till tomorrow. Do it today. Don't rest until you do. He says, basically, if you've, however you've gotten yourself into debt, if you've done it through um, poor decisions or you've purchased your way in, however you've gotten yourself, especially into this consumer debt, get out of debt. Don't rest until, until you get there. And then he says this, save yourself like a gazelle, escaping from a hunter, like a bird fleeing from a net. And it's kind of interesting. You look at that and like, wow, that's kind of poetic, you know, like a gazelle. What, is that, what does that mean? Dave Ramsey shares this thought. He says, you need to have gazelle intensity. You in this video are the gazelle. He's saying, hey, you know what? Debt is coming after you. Debt and this idea of spend, 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 it's slinking up after you. It wants you to buy in. It's like, hey, you know, here you go. Before you know it, here's your credit card. You can just spend. And he's saying, listen, 
once you realize that you're in that spot, run! Run! Get out of there as fast as you can because here comes credit card and now here comes student loans and here comes whatever else and they're after you. And they're like, come on, you want a new car? Come on, you really want it? Come on, you want to buy that new dress? Come on, you really want to buy it? And if it doesn't work going that way, then find another way to get out of debt. And be like, I'm not doing it. I will run. I will run. I will run. I will run. I will get out of debt no matter what it takes. Whatever it takes. And then at the end, I just love this little part here. Just booking it. That kind of intensity to get out of debt debt will eventually give up and then you get to do the happy dance right (laughs) let me just say this you know how hard it was for me to find a video where it actually got away (laughs) that's funny except when you think about it you know how hard it is to find people who actually get out of debt because they never stop to say oh I gotta think of something I gotta think of this differently I gotta stop buying the lie, stop drinking the grape juice, whatever it is that's like telling me this is gonna work. Governments even try. Let's spend our way out of debt. Let's just create more money. Keep spending, people. We're gonna get, we're gonna flip this thing over. It just doesn't work. And yet so many have done it. Do you know there's another way to upgrade your life? It's called the slow way. The fast way seems fun but brings incredible pain. The slow way, it's called save up for it. Do you know that back a few generations ago, you know, our grandparents and maybe some of our parents would have had this. You'd go, if you need a new washing machine, you went to the, to the hardware store, wherever you could buy it, and you said, hey, this washing machine, I know it's $500. Um, I don't have $500. I have $100. So I'm going to give you $100, and I'm going to ask you to put the washing machine in the back warehouse, and I'm going to come back every couple of weeks and pay another $100 until I've paid for it, and I'm going to take it home. Anybody know what that's called? Layaway. And some of you are under 20. You're like, what the heck is that? Why would anybody do that? Just give them a credit card. And see, the interesting part about that is that as people would pay those payments and pay those payments and then at the end take the product, they would pay their final payment. And what they took, whether it was a washing machine or a car, whatever they took after all those payments, it was brand new. They took it and like, wow, I own it. For, the, for some of you, you're paying for stuff and you don't even know where it is. By the time you make your last payment on your car, you don't even have it anymore. By the time you make your last payment on that cheeseburger, it's been long gone. And he said, you know, we get to those places and then we, then we, then we find God. <laughs> you know, we're like, oh, I'm, I'm in a lot of trouble. I've tried everything. I just need to pray. Dear God, reset my debt. Dear God, send me money. Dear God, help. Help. And we talked a long time ago that the idea wasn't that he's just going to bail you out because you need to learn to live differently. See, learning to live like nobody else. So I would encourage you today, if it just prompts your heart, I don't know who you are. It's okay. It was me. I was this guy a couple years ago where I was like, man, I was in the same, same pit. But to realize to do something different now. Do something different today. Proverbs chapter 22 says this, a prudent person or a wise person, they see danger. They see what we just showed. They see that debt is going to destroy us and they take precaution. They do something about it. The simple person goes blindly on and suffers consequences. The only reason we talk about this this morning with any kind of uh, passion is this. I don't want to see you suffer. I don't want to see you suffer. I've been on both sides of this debt thing, and the slow side is way better. There's peace in our home. There's there's a there's a a element of 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 trust and of of realizing that you know what I'm not I'm not forced to serve somebody. A couple weeks ago, Beth and I both felt compelled to give something of uh, uh, actually to give away some of our um, 
our uh, previous business equipment, which was our wedding videography uh, equipment. We met a guy, and he's like, you know what? All of a sudden, just spoke to both of us, God, you know, in our hearts, saying, give it, give it away. And we're like, man, okay, sure. You know, and it was like two, three years ago, we were like, no, we've got to sell that because we need that money, and God will give you some of it, but we need it. And it's like simple. We can just be in that place of saying, hey, we use wisdom with our funds so we can be able to give. Because the idea of live like nobody else, and that's the thing. Some of you are like, well, nobody else does this more. Nobody else tracks their money like you told me to. Nobody else has given up this idea of debt. Nobody else will live like nobody else now. Dave Ramsey says it this way. Live like nobody else now so you can live like nobody else then. Because once we wake up and realize, oh, we're stuck, you won't be. But the bigger thing than that is live like nobody else now so that you can give like nobody else then. Man, generosity does something on the inside. Uh, I got to leave you with this last thought. Acts chapter 20. I say last thought, but uh, Acts chapter 20, Paul's last words to a church in Ephesus was this. His last words to them. He said, hey, you guys are not going to see me alive on this planet. He says, I never coveted anyone's silver or gold or fine clothes. You know that these hands of mine have worked to supply my needs and even the needs of those who are with me. I've been a constant example of how you can help those in need by working hard, by working and giving, living generously. You should remember the words of the Lord Jesus. It's more blessed to give than to receive. He said, work hard, live generously, be a blessing. That's what he said to the, the new churches that were planted back then. It's the same that he says to the other ones too. In 2 Corinthians chapter 8, he writes to, and we're going to talk about this more next week, but I'll just give you a quick little blip of it. In 2 Corinthians 8, he writes to this church that he had planted, and a year later he says, hey, uh, I just want to tell you guys about some of the churches in the, in the area. It'd be like me saying today, hey, have you guys heard of Gateway? Let's talk about them because they're pretty amazing. Have you heard of the church next door? I mean, these people, they're pretty amazing. And this is what he says about them in 2 Corinthians chapter 8, verse 1. Do we have it there? Now I want you to know, dear brothers and sisters, he says what God and his kindness has done. He says, you know, it's my, you might have thought it's what the church has done or people have done. He says, it's what God in his kindness has done through the churches in Macedonia. God doing something through people. In verse 2, he says this. They're being tested by many troubles. He said, they're going through a rotten, rotten time. And it says, like, when you read the word troubles, we see troubles. But the word that's written is like, this, these are like terrible things they're going through. It says, they're very poor. And the very poor means like flat broke. Rock bottom broke. And they are from a rich area, and now they're broke. But it says they are filled with abundant joy, which is overflowed in rich generosity. You know what's interesting there, what it doesn't say? It's just people who are from a rich area that were, because they were followers of Jesus, went through trials that attacked and took most of their possessions away from them. They weren't there saying, oh, Paul, this new religion thing you told us about, it's a sham, man. I was, before I had money, and now, now I'm following Jesus, and I got nothing. I didn't say that. It's actually the opposite because the truth, and so many times if we would just see it and realize it is, happiness and joy is not tied up in stuff. And they knew it, and they said, hey, you know what? They're filled with abundant joy. Their trial didn't limit their ability to live in joy, and their poverty didn't limit them to, to live in generosity or to be generous. They were open-handed with what was in their, in their lives because they knew they were managing it for someone. Verse 3, it says this, it says, I can testify, Paul said, this church, they, they gave not only what they could afford. <laughs> they knew what they could afford. Why? Because they were tracking their money. They knew this is what we can afford to give. He says, they gave not only what they could afford, but they gave far more. This idea of sacrifice, and sometimes you're going to have that where it's on your heart. You feel like, ah, you know what? We can afford here. It's, we've been managing well. We know, but God just drops in your heart like, hey, you know, as a, as a um, maybe with We Believe in Simcoe, it's like, you know what? make a bigger difference today. If I went without a couple coffees, man, 
What kind of difference could I make? It's a little bit extra, but I'm just going to put it there. I'm going to sacrifice my coffee so that lives can be saved. He says they did it, and they did it of their own free will. Can I tell you something? As churches, too often people have told you what you need to give and what you need to do. He wants to tell you here. He wants to do life with you. He wants to be the one. If you hear it from the outside, just leave it as that. It's from the outside. I'm not telling you this morning, hey, you need to give because Mark says so, or the Bible says so, or you need to. I'm just encouraging you to open your heart to hear what's he saying, because it will revolutionize your life. Verse 4 says this, they begged us, <laughs> I love this, they begged us again and again for the privilege of sharing the gift for the believers in the Jerusalem. They begged us, it would be like you guys saying, Mark, please, send the offering buckets around again today, please. We just can't, we, we want a give again. You're like, that's none of us. They begged so often, it's the other way around. We will never, we'll never beg. Because it's this idea of once you understand and once you realize, you realize the ministry of it and the reason they were able to do it. Don't miss this. Here's the most important thing. The reason they were able to do this, they even did more than we had hoped for their first action. The first thing they did was they gave themselves. And for some it says, in some verses, they gave their heart to the Lord first and then to us just as God wanted them to do. They gave themselves first. They gave their heart. Why? Because it's always been about heart. He doesn't care how much money you give people. Jesus watched people give money at the, at the church um, in his day, and he watched them give money. He says, wow, you guys think that guy's great because he gave so much money. He says, just look at this woman who gave, you know, most of what she had. You know, her heart is all I'm, I'm concerned about. It's all he's ever been concerned about with us. In verse 6, it says this, so we've urged Titus who encouraged your giving in the first place to return to you and encourage you to finish this, what? Ministry of giving. Because it's something where he's working through your life. And the last thing is this. Since you excel in so many ways, since you're above average in so many ways, in your faith, in your gifted speakers, in your knowledge, in your enthusiasm, and your love from us, since you excel in all of that stuff, I want you to excel also in giving. I want you to realize that you can excel in this and be above average. But you can't be above average in that if you're weighted down with a load of debt. You can't. And I wouldn't tell you today, you know, so many times preachers have said, oh, just give, and God will give back to you. I know you're under a whole bunch of debt, but just give, give, give. And if you give, it's actually going to come back to you, and you can have more stuff. And they've catered to our, our, our flesh and our worldly side. It's never been, the, never been the thought. He's saying, you know what, live differently, manage it well, and I'm going to put tons of stuff. If you have an open hand where it's can, I can just take it from, from my hand to where it needs to go, I can put all kinds of stuff in your hand. I can trust you with all kinds of stuff to make a massive difference in the world. See, I want to make a massive difference in our world. I want to make a massive difference in our community here. One life saved from abortion. Massive difference. It's massive. So many of the things that God puts on your heart to do makes a massive difference in someone's world. All of that to say this, that every single one of us, and I can't stop at that spot, is that every one of us has owed a bigger debt than the financial ones. The Bible talks about how God created this world perfect, how this idea of, I want to do it my own way, is the same way that Adam and Eve felt. Challenging God, saying, I want to be in control, I want to do it my way. That I want to do it my way led to sickness, led to sin, led to pain, led to death. It built up a load of sin that we can't undo. We can't go back and say, I wish I could undo some of the stuff that I did. You know, I want to live different, but I can't undo it. And we carry that weight. And we know that we want to change, but we can't go back. We can't erase the past. We can't 
undo the debt, and it weighs heavy on us. And for some of you here, you're like, man, if I think about my life, and I think about the stuff that I've done, if there's a God, I don't think he's happy with me. <laughs> See, the, the truth is today that it doesn't matter um, so much about you getting out of debt financially as much as it matters about you giving your heart. The idea of knowing freedom is great, but knowing him is even better. And God, knowing that we needed it, God, knowing that we could never pay the debt of sin that we uh, have accrued, he gave. His answer was to give. He gave an answer. He gave his son. He gave his best. He gave a second chance. He gave a reset button for life. Man, for some of you, you're walking under this guilt and saying, you know what? Uh, I, I don't know. I, I don't know. But I want to challenge you with this thought, this idea of giving up trying to control your life, where you said, you know what? I've been kind of living my, I've been in control. I've been doing it my own way. And I've messed it up. Paul said it this way. I just challenge you to do two things. Turn from sin, the idea of me controlling my own life, and turn to God. To say, God, I trust you and I trust in Jesus. I believe that you've forgiven everything and washed that all away. And I just received that and want to live with you in control of my life. And that'll be challenged every day in how we spend and use money. But he says, you know what, I'm going to trust him. The interesting thing about that is that it's not free, but the price has been paid price of freedom was paid on a cross 2,000 years ago and still holds true today. You can live forgiven. You can live free. You can live as his child. Let's pray. Father, thank you for who you are. Thank you for your word that's living, powerful, and changing our lives. God, thank you for hope. Thank you for your courage and for your strength. And for those here today that are feeling weighted down by some of the stuff, decisions that have made, God, I thank you that your hope and that your, that, uh, your strength can uh, live inside them and walk alongside with them through your spirit, their, your voice would um, lead and direct them. Uh, God, thank you for the opportunity to really live, to really live with you. That's not just an idea, but it's true. Today, as we go out into this place and see family members, help us to be sensitive to your voice so we might be able to um, share hope and share life with, uh, with those closest to us. Thank you for this opportunity. We love you a ton. Thank you for your blessing in our lives. May we use it wisely for you. In your name we pray. Amen.